Hello, it's Jack Tutor of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Yuko Araki, a musician from Japan who makes, in the words of her about page on her Tumblr, intergalactic noisescapes, incredibly dense, synthesizer-laden, pulsing, flashing, jagged jams, which, in the case of her most recent album, End of Trilogy, on Room 40, all fizz and bang and disappear within the space of three minutes apiece. I loved speaking to Yuko because this is one of those crucial listening episodes where, and this is not to be reductive, but you can totally hear the presence of all three of her picks within her music. We have Thrash here, we've got Prog, and we've also got electronic sound design. And in a completely effortless way, they're all smashed together within Yuko's sound. The new album is amazing. It, save for the silences between the pieces, never seems to let up. You get these short gasps of breath before you're back in again. Much like a grindcore record, which, as Yuko says, was a key influence on the structure of this record. So you can go to yuko-iraki.tumblr.com. That's her website. Also, Yuko is on Instagram at IamElectricat. I'll put this in the show notes, obviously. And obviously, go check out the record on room40.bandcamp.com. It's fabulous. And as always, attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for more information on Yuko's picks and links to her music as well. Okay, that's it. Enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. As always, this is Yuko Araki on Crucial Listening. Hello, Yuko. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hello, Jack. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. So you are here to talk about three important albums. Uh, before we get into those, uh-huh. I want to talk about your own new record, End of Trilogy, which is coming out on Room 40. So as I was saying prior to us recording, this record is fabulous. I've been working my way through it, trying to unpick it. There is so much material here and it's all a complete delight. So Uh I would love to know first of... Thank you so much. What was the first aspect of this record to come together? What was the first point of conception for End of Trilogy? Yeah, I I recorded uh, this album like last year. I think it's last February or March. And then that time, the world was it's very confusing, you know, just mm. pandemic started in some countries. And uh, in Japan, uh, we didn't know what's happened, actually. Like, it's before uh, the pandemic started in Japan. And so I was kind of upset, like, it's very confusing. And 
Diwali and was scared mm. uh, about uh, in the future for future. So uh, I really wanted to make uh, some intense sonic and uh, like not dark, the more pop mm. and because like uh, I wanted to maybe encouraged me by my music because I wanted to be having a strong mind mm. to against some confusing situation. So I one of my concept for the new album uh, is I wanted to make all short length extreme track like a uh, grindcore album. <laughs> So each single track is, is very short, like two minutes or uh, less than three minutes. Yeah. And also I got some new instruments uh, before I recorded uh, the new album because um, I am always figuring out uh, new instruments for like figuring out my best set and uh, last last year I uh, was touring in Europe mm -hmm. and my last show of the tour was in Berlin and fortunately I met Ilpo from Pansonic if you know yeah wow yeah and then so he came to my show in Berlin and then uh, we met uh, each other at the gig and it was my last show of the tour so I spent my uh, time like after tour in Berlin sometimes like a couple of days so also Ilpo uh, played a gig after maybe two days after of my last show mm -hmm. in Berlin so I went to see his gig and then it inspired me a lot then I asked him like what kind of instrument he used and so after that I got like um, new mixer, analog mixer and some new sense which is uh, it's similar with his instruments and so after the tour the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020 I was like exploring a new set. So before uh, my upcoming album, I already released uh, like two EPs, but it uh, with no beats. But uh, for new album, I used a sequencer, uh, which is uh, have a percussion sound. So I was trying to make some different uh, sounds, especially uh, the different sounds of my live performance. Like my live performance, it's always like long form, like 30 minutes, like uh, harsh noise. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to uh, record, it's totally different. So that's uh, another reason why it's uh, all short length tracks. Awesome. 
I mean, it's really striking, I think, compared to, say, your last record where you do have, you know, you've got these extended pieces. Yeah. I, I, I love the way in which when you've got these compacted two to three minute pieces that you've got this real sense of urgency and intensity. Things are moving so quickly. I mean, given that you do, as you say, in your life sets as well, work with a lot longer periods of time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What was it yeah. like trying to keep things so short? Was it easy to say yes, okay, that's two minutes long, mm. I'm done, or did it take some some practice and some real discipline to make that happen? I uh, before I used to record like uh, improvise a track, but for my new album, I compose a lot, mm. so I record. Uh, like lots of uh, materials uh-huh. and then uh, e- edited by laptop and yeah I felt like more composing album. So that kept, that made it easier then if you're composing things ahead of time to mm. make sure that things were mm. the correct duration right? Yeah it's yeah it's kind of fun because I think I'm my character is is kind of really easy to board everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like so, and always I got uh, some ideas very randomly. So it's it's very different direction uh, to make an album and between live performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I wanted to try it's very different direction for the new album because I thought that it's it is difficult to make a good album than my live performance and it's you know there is no audience in my room if I record. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I wanted to try it. It's kind of different thing. And the record is called End of Trilogy as well, which I really love the declarative mm. nature of that title. Obviously, you got one, two, and then End of Trilogy rather than three. I mean, uh, firstly, why is the record mm. called End of Trilogy? And, and also, what... Ah. <laughs> and then what comes next? <laughs> now you now you finish the trilogy, so uh, yeah, two-part yeah. question. Yeah, I could make the title three because I already did it one and two. Uh-huh. And then uh, I love that kind of style, just make the title one, two, three, four, like let Zeppelin, you know. Uh-huh. And so, but I don't know why, but I didn't, I didn't want to make it three. Huh. And one of my favorite album of Ingui is called Trilogy, if you know. By who is that? Ingui Monsky. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I inspire the title uh, from his album, Trilogy. Also, I wanted to uh, expect something after I released uh 
the my third album.、Mm. I mean, I would say、uh, it's going to be more more different style、uh, for the fourth album. Wicked. Kind of like, but I just didn't want to make it three actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. It,、um, it once feels so jarring, which I think is so appropriate for a record like this. And it feels so deliberately final as well. I think it's fantastic. Let's talk about your three important records that you've picked, Yuko. So I like to start by asking how you decided on these three records. Oh,、uh, uh, yeah. So. How did you think about the term important in order to come up with the list of three records that you did?、Um, well, I selected these three albums is because they radically changed the way my ears listen to music.、Mm. Like some important shifts in my point of view toward my music life changed.、Um, After I listened to each of these albums. So, I want to talk about、um, what happened to me personally when I listened to each of these three albums for the first time. Okay, great. Well, let's dive into one of them, whichever one you want to talk about first. If you could give me the name of it to begin with, and then a bit about why it's important to you, too. Uh huh. Uh... First, I'm going to talk about Lenin Black by Slayer. So, why is this one important to you, Yuko? This album was the most played one、uh, in the rehearsal studio where I hang out in my hometown. It's、uh, in the countryside near Tokyo. So, I started to go to the studio when I was a teenager. After school, and、uh, even skip school sometimes to go there. <laughs> there were, <laughs> yeah, there were two guys who worked there, both playing in a slash metal band and also in a new school hardcore band. So, always I listen to some kind of heavy, loud, noisy music there, and that experience opened my interest. Towards intense sonics.、Mm. And at the same time, I started to hang out at local gigs and it influenced me a lot. Now that I play noise music myself, I find my initial inspiration for making noise kind of sound comes by way of classical bands or Um, metal bands rather than from the Japanese, actually. So I loved white noise produced by guitar amp and fuzz pedals, which I was listening to at these bands' gigs. So, inspiration for the noisy aspect of my music style came from my experience of going to gigs like this, I think. It was so much fun and exciting as、mm. it's all teenage engagement with music.、Mm, so I got in touch with the guy who worked at the studio、uh-huh. recently. 
And then I asked him what was the most played one in his studio. <laughs> and then, so <laughs> yeah, and then it was Lenin Blood by Slayer. Did you listen to this record outside of the rehearsal studio? So, um, obviously, you had. Oh, yeah, it. I have. Right. So, when did you. When was the moment that you were like, I really like that record. I'm going to get a copy of it or listen to it in my own setting, in my own room? Uh, yeah, I had like uh, lots of favorite metal and hardcore bands. Hmm. Like, uh, yeah, like Slayer too, but like Pantera, Meshuga, mm. Cattle Decapitation, Extreme Noise, Terra Discharge. But I tended to listen to rock music, like crowd rock or indie rock music when I was at home. Yeah, so I was enjoying to hang out at gigs with uh, such kind of John. And, but yeah at home like i tended to listen to different kind of music ah okay that's interesting so it's really in the mm. live setting and with other people that music like yeah. this is most interesting to you right mm, that, right yes um i really like when you said that your live experience of noise is more influenced by say thrash and these kind of heavy musics um I mean, that makes me think of going to see gigs i mean particularly those in small spaces and maybe they're punk mm. or hardcore sometimes yeah. metal gigs but where yeah. the the sound isn't always great so actually sometimes you can't hear <laughs> any melody at all or any you just hear this wall of i don't know if you've had those gigs before it's just like it might as well be a noise gig because the sound is so yeah. in one way you know what i mean it is yeah because the i think uh some people uh wants to put earplugs at the gig right. uh you know but that earplugs uh actually cut uh my like favorite parts of the yes, noise yeah so i'm yeah i'm i'm kind of worried about my ears actually <laughs> but yeah yeah yes and so uh for the noise music i think i started to go to uh the noise gig in tokyo uh, later and I think it's um, maybe about from 2020, 2010 mm -hmm. I started to go to a specific venue in Tokyo called Soup and then they has a lot of uh, local noise gig mm -hmm. so so that's uh, maybe second inspiration for me to making noise have you seen Slayer play live? Uh, no. <laughs> I didn't see much, like, a big band, big, me big metal band in Japan. Ah. Yeah. I saw a couple big metal band in the USA. Right. Because if, yeah, if I go to the gig uh, in Japan, it's very, very expensive. Like, last time I saw... Um, Manowar 
you know, Manuel? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw Manuel, but it's like, um, I think, like, 100 pounds I need to pay. Also, like, I saw King Crimson. Oh, wow. But also, I pay, like, 100, the more, more than 100 pounds. Oh, my God. It's very expensive God. in Japan. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, no wonder. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so expensive. That's. I mean, there are only a few artists that you pay over a hundred pound for uh. in the UK, and certainly uh. not certainly not King Crimson. Uh. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I, in a way, I, I suppose as as well. Like it, it's a so it's a totally different experience seeing a metal band right Mm. within a large crowd and you certainly aren't able to experience it at the same intensity when you're in a huge venue do you prefer smaller gigs anyway yes of course (laughs) yeah i love it yeah i really love to go the small venue in tokyo Mm -hmm. yeah to return to Rain in Blood as well, uh-huh. um, do you have a favourite track on this record? Um, maybe I would say Rain Blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your second mm-hmm. record now, Yuko. So, again, if you could give me the name of it and a little bit about why it's important to you as well. Okay. Uh, second album, I'm going to talk about Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Nice. So, mm. yeah, give me a bit about why this one is important to you. It's very influential, this album is, to people all around the world. Mm-hmm. But... This album made my image of the sound of electronic keyboards since sound completely changed. I was trained in classic piano since I was five years old. I still remember like one day when I came back to my home and I was surprised to find a piano in my room, uh, which my grandfather had given me. And so lots of my classmates were training in classic piano or electron at that time. Do you know electron? Um, electron, did you say? Electron is the name of an electronic piano made by Yamaha. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yes, so electron, uh, yeah, it's electronic piano uh-huh. and it was really common that kids got lessons on it like piano or instead of piano right and i thought it wasn't cool at all because the players play the main melodies of pop songs which were arranged for electronic keyboard sounds right 
it's <laughs> yeah because um most of scores for electron were pop song like soundtrack music uh it's the exact opposite of formal classic music mm. which i uh training and it made me very sick actually it was really fake right yeah it reminds me of cheap sounding music uh-huh. uh, which you can hear in japanese supermarkets it's very very cheap sounding and i really don't like it at all like i hate it so much like an allergy <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so and uh also in the end i experienced um failure as a pianist like i wanted to be good at it but i didn't mm. think i would be able to get there um i had a few friends in junior high school uh, who played difficult score which i couldn't even begin to play maybe i was too old to start playing piano like i was <laughs> comparing myself with the talented kids and mm. uh but i kept playing piano like so playing piano always has a score and it's very very difficult to play in improvise or freestyle so yeah i'm sorry to talk so negatively about piano training <laughs> but i appreciate <laughs> that my parents gave me a chance to involve myself with music because that experience gave me a sense of pitch and uh also i think uh the training piano uh made uh it easier for me to play drums um i play drums for my another band mm. Mm. and then i started to play drums just six years ago no five years ago and it uh it's my latest instruments which i start to play i think but somehow i can play drums uh i think uh because i trained piano and the piano is it's kind of percussion yeah totally yeah hitting like key yeah 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 absolutely yeah so that's yeah good point and so for several reasons including my like inferiority complex about playing piano or keyboards and i came to dislike their sound like even organ rock but since i first listened to the track on the line from dark side of the moon you know mm-hmm. um yeah i became aware of uh analog sense sound it's uh, ems yeah in particular and i became aware that there is this way of playing sense like making sound uh, with a sequencer rather than playing melodies which really sounds so cool and it's come to mean so much to my music style yeah really so much yes that's, that's fantastic that's so interesting to hear about your history with coming into electronic keyboards and being caught between <laughs> you know these synthetic <laughs> pop melodies and this ultra 
difficult yeah. classical stuff i mean i can totally imagine how hearing something like on the run would be liberating do, do, do you remember how you came to discover dark side of the moon did someone introduce you to the record or yeah yeah i think i listened uh that record in a friend's house i think and um is it a record you still listen to now sometimes yes yeah yeah I'm a huge fan of Pink Floyd, so yeah, so I listen sometimes their albums. And as you mentioned, On the Run is really notable for that synthesizer. I actually think mm-hmm. that's one that is one of yeah. the best tracks on the record. Um, but as you got to know the rest of the album, how did your opinions on mm-hmm. the record? start to form what did you make of the rest of the album and and obviously it's a record that works as one continuous piece i mean what did you start to think of the record as a whole sorry i didn't think about like i only uh was only thinking about on the run <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> that's absolutely yeah, fine that actually my yeah, my favorite album of them, uh, it's um, Umaguma, I think. Uh-huh. U- Umaguma. Oh, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, and, but uh, That Dark Side of the Moon is my first Pink Floyd, and it's like a landmark, yeah. It's, I mean, again, we, we're talking about important records, right, rather than favourites, and that brings mm. a totally different, totally different focus. Um, it's interesting, Pink Floyd have come up so often on this podcast, maybe more than any other band. And um, oh, really? yeah, it's, <laughs> it? it's fascinating because you're the wow. first person to have picked a record that uh well everyone else has picked records prior to dark side of the moon like before dark side of the moon so metal atom heart mother uh-huh. live at pompeii uh-huh. and that seems to be everyone's uh-huh. favorite is that uh-huh. era of pink floyd so i was so I interested when you picked too. dark side of the moon because uh-huh. i was waiting to see whether or not someone mm-hmm. would finally pick that record <laughs> oh <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. you mentioned as as well about your parents uh-huh. being people uh-huh. who brought you into music initially and encouraged you and your your was it your grandfather you say who got you your piano originally did they also enjoy the music that you were listening to did you have many uh common favorites mm-hmm. between you mm-hmm. in terms of the music that you enjoy not really i think yeah because I think my parent is very conservative, right? And uh, not so into uh, like rock music, or because um, I would say in Japan uh, there is uh, it's very strong uh, TV culture, uh-huh. and so Pink Floyd was not on TV, you know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So I think uh, they were not so into uh, like Western music or like rock music. 
but my grandfather uh, also trained shamisen. It's Japanese traditional instruments. Yes, yeah. So I, yeah, could ask like my grandfather what he listened. Yeah, I don't right. know now though. Great. Well, Yuko, let's talk about your final important record here. Then, what's the name of it first? Mm. Uh, the last album is "Gobi the Desert" by Mono Lake. And so, why is this one important to you? Um, so today I've talked how I got into metal and hardcore. I know since then this album got me into electronic minimal ambient music. So only about uh, 37 minutes, just one long track on this album. But I feel like I can listen to it forever, even though there are no beats driving on. I was interested in more aggressive music in my younger years. But this album was like my first meditation style music. Mm. Um, so I already talked like uh, my live performance style uh, it's, it's like making long form soundscape pieces so I think I got inspired from uh, the Gobita that art I think so also this um, album has such a mysterious uh, border line between natural sounds like sounds from nature, like insects and birds. Yes. And yeah, but digitally processed by synthetic electronic sound. Uh huh. And yeah, so it makes it so fascinating. Do you know Robot uh, released extended version last year? Yes. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, Have you listened to that one? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, but somehow I can't not help preferring the old version, actually. Right, right. Yeah, maybe just, yeah, because the original was, yeah, such a big impact for me. So, like, techno yeah. era of electronic music is so influential in terms of culture. And acceptance of abstract music but really affects me are uh, the offshoots of this music mm, like monoleg yes yeah yeah like i was into completely new possibilities what were you listening to before you discovered monoleg 
like what kind of music were you into when this record came into your world? Mm. I think I didn't uh, listen to this album like uh, like exact same timing uh, they released it. Right. This is released in 1999. <laughs> If I say about electronic music, I listen to uh, like Krautrock. If it's kind of electronic, yeah, like yeah, synth music, and yeah, I'm not so into techno music, but um, sometimes I went to the club or like rave. And then, yeah, I just listen that kind of dance music there. Yeah. And you mentioned that this introduced you to more abstract sound. And one thing that I find very interesting is you mentioned that it's got no, no beats on it at all. It has got rhythms, like it's got pulses and, mm. and mm. so mm. much going on, mm. which punctuates time and i find that in your music as well is that you know in this new record mm. too you've got so many pulses and rhythms and never anything that's definitely a beat but something that's definitely keeping track of time so were records like this important in terms of telling you how to employ how to use rhythm without using beats were, were records like this important in that respect too I think uh, I listen um, bass sound, I think, uh -huh. or just uh, like pieces of uh, noise yeah. could be rhythm too. And so some people might agree with my opinion, but if you uh, plays noise music uh, mm. every sound uh, we uh, I can hear uh, they has like pitch and rhythm right that, yeah you know what I mean yeah um, yeah so sometimes it's like uh, sense sounds from uh, driving noise uh, from a car sometimes Mm -hmm. And so, so like same direction, I think, when I record uh, the album, I always um, hearing rhythm and pitch. If there is no exist, actually. Yes. And yeah, composing. Yeah, I love that. So records like this mm. <laughs> definitely make it so that pitch and rhythm are, are, are everywhere, right? It's not necessarily, here's an instrument that's keeping the tempo. They they are present within all instruments to a certain degree. Mm. Uh, nothing is explicitly 
the rhythm or mm-hmm. the melody. Uh, do you remember how you first discovered Gobi the Desert? Again, did someone recommend it to you or how did you come to discover it? Yeah, a friend recommended me to listen this. And is it an album you still listen to now? Not so much. (laughs) 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 Yes. um, Yeah, recently I'm listening to so much new music. I'm uh, like every day I'm uh, digging uh, on the band camp. And then so I, yeah, not so much recently. What's your favorite way of trying to discover new music? Like, what what does that look like for you? I checked Bandcamp a lot, mm-hmm. and yeah, and also I um, after COVID situation, I stay at my home a lot, so I started listening to uh, more radio, internet radio. Huh. Like, yeah, like MTS, news, uh, fang radio, or, yeah. That's Mm. so interesting, because I've done the exact same thing since I've been home. (laughs) Uh, I have no idea why that is. I I think, um, I don't know whether it's trying to fill Mm. the emptiness where Mm. yeah because it's you it's you know uh, playlist curated by human beings i guess it's Mm. a means Mm -hmm. of trying to discover music that people have recommended rather than algorithms right yeah yeah so i think i love to get uh i don't know someone's personality or by their uh, mixtape or uh, playlist mm-hmm. maybe because I cannot uh, meet new people it's it's very difficult now though. yes because mm. I suppose that's almost the you know obviously we've, we've got live stream gigs at the moment but that's one of the few ways uh, mm. that you can interact with someone's you know a human a human infused uh, means of putting music together and when you're listening to records as well at the moment mm. is there a particular way that you like to listen to records a place or a time that you find works best for you when trying to listen to records most deeply uh whenever i have time i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i yeah after like this situation i cannot go tour i cannot play a lot of gigs and Uh like so it's so much different 
before COVID. And then I discovered, like, oh, I don't have any hobby. Like, I was doing only music, like,、right. listening music, playing music, like, composing. Yeah, I discovered about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you filled <laughs> that space with other hobbies、uh-huh. now, then? Or?、Mm, no, really. But I spent, <laughs> yeah, but I spent my、uh, lots of time with my family and friends. Because, like, before COVID, I was the always touring around the world. Right. And, yeah. And, like, unless I'm going to the gig, I couldn't have time with my friends. So,、mm. yeah, yeah. And to bring the interview full circle, I guess, I'm intrigued as to how you play. Or you, how you plan to play live shows with this new record. Because, as you say, in、mm. your live sets, usually you do a continuous piece of music. I mean, is there any plan to play、mm. material like、mm. End of Trilogy with lots of short bursts in the live environment? Would, I mean, would that work for you?、Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Because I cannot. Yeah. Because I can. I think I cannot、uh, play again, like same uh, uh-huh. same elements of uh, that from that album. Yeah, because I did、uh, one of my scenes、uh, which I use,、uh, it's called Lip Loop, and then、uh, it's the handmade scenes.、Uh, right. Yeah, which is、uh, from Italy. And then maybe you can check.、Uh, it's also debuted by、uh, Chris Carter, maybe. Uh huh. Right, I see. Yeah, and Cozy, I think. And,、um, and then that synth is very,、uh, it's very strange one. I, yeah, sometimes. The sound、uh, coming is very unexpected.、Uh-huh. Mm, so I think、uh, I can, I didn't、uh, memory. Yuko, this has been great. Thank you so much for talking about your new record, End of Trilogy, which again, people should absolutely check out. and... Also, talking about your three important records as well. This has been fun.、Mm, thank you so much. And if people want to check out your music online, where's the best place for them to do that?、Uh, please check、uh, the Room for This Bandcamp.、Uh, you can check my new album. And also, if you、uh, are interested in、uh, c h e c k my live performance, I have a YouTube channel or like I have. Uh, Instagram, then you can listen my live performance as well. Great. I will link to those in the show notes as always.、Uh, thank you once again, Yuko, and to everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.